0: This is Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now, here's your host.
1: Good evening, Koto listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Off the Record. This evening, we were just... Remarking once again, we talked about it last time. We kind of had a show similar to this. That the voice you hear at that intro is San Miguel Assistant County Manager James Van Hooser, which is exciting. <laughs> um, today we are—it's the beginning of a new year. Figured like a—it's it a good time to check in with our local government, see what's they're up to as we head into the new year. Plenty of things happening and going on there. There's always things happening and going on in local government. And I am joined by three of the people who help make several of our governments tick in a non-elected capacity. <laughs> I am joined by Scott Robson, Telluride Town Manager. Hi
0: there.
1: Michelle Haynes, the Assistant Town Manager for Mountain Village. And then Mike Bordonia, County Manager for San Miguel County. Thanks, everybody, for being here and braving the weather to, to come us. on the radio. Thank you, Julia. Um, So I did ask this question the last time um, we had some of y'all on, but I think it's, it's worthy worthy to ask the question again for, for folks who might not know. Can you explain what is your job? Like what does a manager do in relation to
0: a government?
2: I know Scott's really been wanting to answer that one. So
0: I'll let him go (laughs) first. Thanks Mike. (laughs) Appreciate that. Uh, It's a great question, Julia. It is a, um, little bit of a unknown role for a lot of people in the community, but your town manager or your county manager, uh, you know, typically um, we are in the role of implementing the policies that our elected officials uh, would like to see move forward based on the electorate uh, and what the voters are telling them. And so we're we're really in that a little bit more of an operational role, um, overseeing um, all the departments of our county or our town um, overseeing the the budget throughout the course of the year making sure the the town and the county is is ticking and uh, working well and we're responding to the needs of the community so we're kind of the the doers on the ground direct in traffic and uh, ultimately trying to uh, implement policy that our elected officials uh, would like to see uh, move move down the pipeline.
2: I couldn't have said it any better. <laughs>
1: There you go. Um, As a reminder to our listeners, this is a call-in program. So if you have any questions you'd like to ask these folks, please do give us a call, 970-728-4333. I know that in the grand scheme of our small world that we have in San Miguel County, um, housing can be a very... um, passionate topic of discussion so we are definitely going to touch on housing and we want your questions in relation to that whether it's a specific project or not um but if you want to hold those until we kind of get to that portion of the show um that would be great so we can make sure to talk about other stuff as well so we can touch on all of the fun things that, that are going on um You know, first off, I'd love to hear from all of you, how was 2022, kind of first taking a look back on where we just came from, how was 2022 for each of your respective local governments? And you get to look at each other for who's going first. Michelle, let's have you go first.
3: (laughs) Okay, thank you. Well, from Mountain Villages perspective, we had a pretty significant work plan. We the Four Seasons Hotel was approved. Um, we had enough, we have another hotel in the pipeline with a hearing on January nineteenth for the sixth census. So but that one started in twenty twenty two as well. Um, We've just adopted our comprehensive plan, but we were in that process our amendment to the comprehensive plan for two years um, including a meadow sub-area planning process within that we saw constant um, and steady development of single-family homes in the mountain village and fortunately we managed um, the mitigation of the development in the village um, pretty well this last summer we had some concerns because it was there was a lot there was a lot of building activity so I'm sure there are other things but those were the ones because of the planning and development lens that I have that were that are on the forefront of my mind
1: yeah Mike let's go to
2: you thank you so you know the county people kind of learned what county government was in 2020 and 2021 with our significant public health role um, during the COVID pandemic and we're really excited to see that kind of wane with 2022 Uh, similar to the mountain village we saw an all-time high number of building permits plant new planning applications um and it was a a shift because we had redirected almost all of our county staff in 2020 to take on covid roles whether that was responding to folks or updating websites or or creating other stuff to to assist with the information dissemination but um it was almost like a wake-up call of oh wow we got to (laughs) remind what did we used to do in county government and uh and it came really quickly so um man we implemented a lot of stuff in 2022 we offered new schedules for all of our staff which really increased our retention and uh happiness (laughs) Um, we started our wellness program we obviously um, took significant strides with the telluride foundation and pinion park and with the town of telluride on the sunnyside project Um, we acquired diamond ridge we started our uh, planning on our pathfinder gravel pit for housing um, and we also started or in the process of analyzing all county-owned properties for the suitability of housing. We completed our energy performance contracting process on all county facilities to decrease the energy use. We added solar to six of our major facilities including two microgrids. grids. Um, we implemented new building codes and energy codes. Um, we finished our new jail and our new Norwood Sheriff's Annex. Um, and we created a new water dock system in egner which if uh folks don't know is the primary water supply to the folks in the Egnar slick rock area so that was a pretty big thing um and that's just a few of the things but we were very busy and um and i'm really happy to see the pace hopefully slow down slightly
1: scott follow that up that was a laundry list of things
0: that, those are great laundry lists and, and it's and it's really cool to see uh, obviously the specificity around mountain village and then the the breadth of of good work being done across the county within the town of telluride uh, certainly we were proud to uh see us move through you know really robust community survey and um a vision plan uh put together and adopted by a council um uh, from the housing front, we we too are, are really proud of uh, getting the Sunnyside Affordable Housing Project um, uh, moving forward. A great lottery process uh, moved through, and families are in in those homes now. Um, Voodoo Affordable Housing Project also was able to get uh, across the finish line in regards to. Uh, Hark approvals, council approvals, and we're uh, breaking ground on that project, which is really, really exciting. Um, Over in Shandoka, what we call our Lot L feasibility study uh, was able to wrap up and really, I think, show proof of concept uh, in regards to structured parking, a multimodal transportation center at that location, along with affordable housing also at Shandoka. We put together game plans for uh, replacement of building F, which is one of our um, older Shandoka buildings, which will increase in the, the total density uh, in that location. So that's fantastic. So y- you can imagine with all of us, there's a, a significant housing focus in what we uh, work to deliver upon in, in 2022. But shifting away from from housing, we were really excited about the adoption of our climate action plan, which sets a goal of 70% carbon neutrality by 2030, which is right around the corner. So we've got a lot of uh, focus on our climate action plan in particular, both our staffing side and just the implementation side, Um, you know. and and then really fun projects that are meaningful to the community, like the uh, completion of our new skate park in, in Town Park, which was really great. We hired fantastic, staff across the board, I'd say. And, um, you know, we uh, just contracted to move forward an EV readiness plan, which ultimately will move the galloping goose towards an all-electric system, work to uh, implement new uh, and better electric charging stations across the community, and uh, put together a game plan to improve our street and sidewalk networks and accessibility. So those are all really um, a few highlights of accomplishments I, I'd say within uh, 2022 but we recognize that this has also been a particularly hard year for the for the workforce and just um, their all of our ability to um, remain in this community and find housing that al- allows us to uh, be in meaningful jobs that really support the community there's there's a lot of work to be done there
1: yeah um, well it, it is very impressive hearing all y'all Kind of run down that list of stuff that's been going on, and I think you know a, a lot of it. When you have things around housing, you all mentioned that people really focus on and know a lot about because it is so important to everybody. But then, so many of the other things that people might not recognize are kind of maybe happening a little bit more behind the scenes or whatever that might be. Yep. There's there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, you mentioned the master plan, comprehensive planning processes that. All the governments are in diff- slightly different phases. Mountain Village, just finishing that up, wrapping that up, I will say I was not upset to maybe have written my last <sighs> news story about it going through the process. I was like, yes, we got here. <laughs> I <know. laughs> um, So, Michelle, I am actually going to put this to you first because as a former planner and someone who has told this to me multiple times, um, can you just explain a little bit, what a comprehensive plan for mountain villages or kind of like the concept of a master plan what does that mean for a local government
3: yeah absolutely so there is a statutory requirement to have a master a master plan or a comprehensive plan and from my perspective what it means is that you want to have orderly and um sort of predictable growth even if it's beyond you know your boundaries and so part of that is this visioning process with your community to talk about where appropriate uses and do we have a future vision for our streets or our trails and all of that can happen through a comprehensive plan process. And it just gives some certainty to a community, too. Like, oh, okay, well, we have people coming in. They want to develop in our community. But what does our comprehensive plan say? Like, they own this piece of property. What do we think could happen here? And it doesn't mean that there can't be variations to that plan. We often see with large developments amendments to comprehensive plans, because it doesn't always mean that you know everything that's going to happen either. So, But it's the best way that a town can sort of have this orderly and predictable growth.
1: Yeah. So then broadening that out to all 'all, y'all, can you just share a little bit about where you are in that process and kind of what's coming out of it or what did come out in the case of Mountain Village? Like what came out of the process that that took place?
3: Yeah. I mean... um when we adopted our comprehensive plan, it was that process started in 2009, and we were on the heels of the Great Recession. And the Mountain Village looked very different then, and people were worried, I think, that let's make sure that we can figure out that we can have the right incentives for growth and the right kind of growth opportunities and what are our economic drivers so i think this was a great opportunity that we amended it now because the landscape has changed and what we accomplished through that is we bolstered our housing all of the language around housing our incentive programs what our vision is what we want to do we literally had two paragraphs in 2009 and we have come to realize the interdependence of economic drivers but housing and also transportation and sustainability it all matters so we're very proud of having nine pages and it's not about the pages you know it's about the content so we adopted housing mitigation methodology we have incentive programs that we brought online and we did a housing inventory of town-owned properties to identify where we could build housing Um, so we also put less emphasis on hotels I mean it's a very small community we're three miles kind of square-ish and that's kind of small and so you only need so many hotels and our community spoke very loudly around like maybe we need one or two but we don't need 12 identified sites for hotels we don't have the bandwidth for it we don't have the resources for it you need a workforce to support that kind of, of um, development so we Backed out, backed out of the hotel um, emphasis. We recognized the gondola and um, timeline for 2027, felt like a long time ago at one point, and now it's just around the corner. We talked more about transportation. We all know we need this interconnected transportation solutions, so we talked a little bit more about that. So I'm really proud of the community that we got there, we adopted that amendment, and now we have other things to do, like amend our community development code.
1: Yeah. Scott, what about the Town of Telluride and where you're at with this master plan process?
0: Yeah, we just uh, adopted the the vision plan, which is really that high level um, vision of of who we are uh, as a community uh, and and where we want to go. We'll move uh, fairly rapidly uh, in this first and second quarter of 2023 into our own update to uh, master plan as well. So we're we're right on Mountain uh, Village's heels, and I, I think it's both a combination of just timing luck and 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 also just impetus from our elected officials that all three, both the county and the two towns, are generally moving forward in the same time frame to uh, update our master plans, and and that's really. Uh, It's more important than ever, uh, frankly, that we collaborate in those process. I was really pleased to see both Mountain Village, Telski County involvement in the discussions around our vision plan and uh, including all those parties and more will be important in in the spring as well as we set that roadmap as uh, kind of Michelle uh, referred to here uh, for the vision forward for Telluride.
1: Yeah, have there been any like key takeaways that y'all have seen kind of in general, maybe areas or specific things that you're hearing from the community through that visioning process in terms of like, these are the things that we really want to focus on in this master plan process.
0: No doubt. It goes without saying that, um, lack of affording affordable housing options is, uh, continues to rise to the top and thus we will continue to be, you know, very, uh, pointedly focused in that arena, uh, lack of services, uh, you know, uh, is challenging for just this geographic part of the the state in general, but also for our valley. That 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 certainly rose to the top of something we're hearing. And wherever we can help our small businesses, uh, particularly here in in downtown Telluride, we will, we will do so this this coming year. Um, and that and that reaches out to lack of robust uh, medical services beyond you know just not business services, uh, but. Medical, um, transportation uh, at a both local and regional level. Um, We know we need to do uh, more around based on our vision plan and the surveys. And and again, Mike and and all of us are working on that uh, regionally. So there's not a lot of uh, maybe new uh, issues that have risen to the top. You could probably read the, the Daily Planet uh, from 1975 and you would see the same issues rising to the or top. Or listen
1: to Kodo News.
0: Come <laughs> or on, listen Scott. to <laughs> <Kodo>. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the issues remain. They're just a little bit different flavor and they are exasperated uh, financially and socially in some key areas. Um, You know, I think an area that was really interesting that we will provide more focus on this year is, um, you know, that that desire from the community to see uh, a diverse demographic involved in our many volunteer boards and commissions, and that was something that um, we're gaining more clarity around and um, are going to take some, some greater actions this year uh, to diversify the number of, uh, the types of voices around the table uh, helping make decisions as well. So that was an interesting one beyond the kind of typical uh, issues that you see rise to the top.
2: Yeah. Mike you know the question that's the, coming up The county's so. just a touch larger at uh, just under 1290 square miles so we have to break our master plan areas into different sub areas right and we're working on our east end area master plan we just wrapped up the advisory group and the the public pop-up sessions um, and so the next stage will be bringing um, all that information our consultants drafting um, an initial draft for the county planning commission who ultimately will adopt that master plan um, to bring forth to the public and see um, what it what feedback that gets Um, the county's master plan is a little bit older we're sitting at 30 years old and so um, michelle did a great job of describing what they are but it's also um, a vision for the future at a point in time and that our communities have changed, the interconnectedness of our communities has changed a lot over the past 30 years. And so um, some folks have wondered, well, why aren't you just doing an update? It's because our old plan was essentially so stale and so much has changed that we had to do a full rewrite. And so we'll be um, embarking on that um, with a, a lot more public input continued throughout 2023 with a hopeful adoption uh, by the Planning Commission at the end of the year.
1: Yeah. You know, you've all touched on it just of like how interconnected all of these communities and jurisdictions are. And so from that perspective, why not do one Mm -hmm. that encompasses all rather than having these, of course, they're going to maybe they're probably going to see similar things because as you've all said, like the issues cross any of the boundaries, Mm -hmm. but you know, how does that maybe make things more complicated or confusing to have these three separate visions and plans rather than just saying like, we're all in in this together, Mm -hmm. it's so cliche but like, (laughs) we're all in this small space together we all see a lot of similar problems let's just do one for the whole region Mm
0: -hmm. Well, maybe as Michelle referenced earlier, there are some statutory requirements for us to to have our own standalone stand uh, comprehensive plans, if you will. Um, my sense is that uh, now more than ever, um, just from a relationship standpoint between our local governments, um, we are at a point in time where collaboration is, um, is not, a, it's not a new word and it's not a, a, a foreign idea by any means. And just showing up, being present, um, being involved in one another's conversations and really being transparent around our, our, our collective needs and our elected officials' desires, which are not always uh, eye to eye. I mean, that's that's okay. Um, but being involved um, uh, deeply with one another's planning processes is a great thing. And we I know we all encourage that of, of one another. We're all trying to do more, and, uh, more of that. I think uh, just from my own perspective, Bringing in the small business community, our um, realtor community, um, our nonprofit community, uh, a little deeper into our conversations uh, beyond just uh, our, our typical processes are going to be important this year, and we're going to try to set up some uh, some formats to allow that a little more readily, other, rather than just expecting folks to show up to a town council meeting and get in front of the podium and provide their uh, input. Um, I'd really like to see series of roundtable conversations, for example, when we um, uh, kick off some some new work here related to short-term rental uh, discussions and policy, for example. So interconnectedness is just critical. Um, and I, I think, again, relationship-wise, we're, we're at a perfect point here where we're, we're ready to stay involved with another, but ensure that our own communities have um, their own uh, voice and kind of spirit around uh, the plans that we craft
3: Mm -hmm. yeah I would echo a lot of of what you said Scott I mean I think our roles sometimes are different a county role is 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 mm-hmm. we know this now through covid <laughs> we understand what the county role is i think more than ever but i from my observation i feel like we're all just growing up now and so we recognize this interconnectedness more because we're bumping up the edges of our development or our resources or the fact that how do we get people from montrose that may want to be here or mm-hmm. maybe have a doctor's appointment in montrose like we need to be a lot more civic-minded and so this idea of, of because we just, we're at that critical mass, right? So the world has changed and we've changed. I think we can certainly identify those issues that we need to be cooperating on, like transportation, um, like workforce housing. There's a lot of synergy in sharing ideas and things like that. But I also think it's important to kind of keep the character of your communities, but recognize your strengths and weaknesses and how you can
2: work together. Yeah. Every mining community that I've, or former mining community that I've lived in, has a fierce independence and identity, and Telluride and Mountain Village and our area is no exception to that. My first answer thought when you asked uh, why not it was that community consensus can sometimes be an oxymoron, um, because uh, folks elect fo- uh, folks elect their leaders from specific geographic areas. And those people carry forth those constituent specific issues. And um, you know, folks that live out in the greater county often um don't want to have the same rules or vision applied to them. And likewise, Tellerette and Mountain Village um have slightly different visions for what they want in their future. And Mountain Village obviously being a much younger community. Um, And I think that that's really the reason why we're embarking on these separate plans is that um, there's a lot of nuance. As much as we are connected, there's a lot of nuance. And through a master plan process, uh, I think all of our respective constituents don't want to see their values and their goals uh, compromised to then fit, to just be fitting Mm -hmm. into one big one. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Um, As a reminder to listeners, you are tuned into Othrak and we're talking local governments in the area if you have a question please give us a call 970-728-4333 you've you're all touching on the next thing that i want to talk about always um one of them being transportation which obviously we know you know in the town of telluride there's the galloping goose in the mountain village there's buses that run at times as well obviously they're smart but I think a very um, front and center one that we know that we have that is coming up on a deadline is the gondola, mm-hmm. um, which is historically been um, funded and operated largely through the town of Mountain Village and is now maybe going to a little bit more of a regional perspective. So can y'all talk about where are we in that planning process and what does that look like? As we are you know we're now four years away from the funding agreement on the gondola expiring um talk amongst yourselves who's going to answer yeah. this one
3: i'll ha- i'll be happy to take a step Go for at this it. One. so i think that where we're at is trying to figure out future funding and i think that also everyone's trying to evaluate you know the value to its entity whatever that entity is there are a lot of partners in this conversation so i do know that there is um, a meeting coming up this week and then there's going to be like a leadership meeting the following week and i think that everyone's talking about it i don't know that we have a solution right now but I think we all recognize the value and the uniqueness of having a gondola system. And there are people, it's not just this form of entertainment that I think it was mm-hmm. originally perceived as. It's a way people commute between communities, it's the way you can get groceries, It's and we've heard over time that it's had um, more and more demand on its use as well so um, i think we all recognize its value we just really need to to dive deep into the funding part post 2027.
2: all all three of our uh, entities share this desire to reduce carbon emissions and that was one of the first reasons for the gondola and i think it's now a part of our community's identity um, and we know that it takes uh, less carbon to move people via the gondola than it does through other means. And though I'm really proud of how all of the transportation networks have grown, I think we recognize that we'd have parking and congestion and traffic and carbon issues on top of all that if we were to do away with the gondola. So that hasn't really been any part of the calculus of, or, or the decision-making. And now it's a matter of um, Mountain Village, you know, had that heavy cross to bear early on. And, and to Michelle's point, it's now uh, seen more as a regional asset. And so I think we're going to try and think of ways that we can fund it um, in a, a fair and equitable way.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would say, from uh, certainly from Telluride's perspective, I agree with everything that's been said. We, uh, in our last conversations with, Senator Bennett's uh, office and, and uh, Senator Hickenlooper's office, both of which have been incredibly supportive for, for this region of the state. They are very in tune with the project itself. It will take significant federal funding, and I, I would say all the parties at the table thus far have been really optimistic at some of the pathways for federal funding in particular, let alone state state funding. So it won't be uh, certainly 100% uh, locally our, our Financial across to bear. We we have the attention of uh, our representatives in in DC at least at the Senate level and uh, They will be uh, big assistance to us and I couldn't uh, agree more that the gondola is part of ultimately a, a long-range multimodal uh, hopefully carbon neutral uh, Transportation system in the in the Telluride region and this is this is a focal point of that and we're all on board um, we're, we're just working hard uh, behind the scenes, on uh, yeah, the the funding breakdowns and getting uh, to that next step of you now design and planning. We've 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 checked some major boxes already, though, in regards to assumptions related to uh, design and trying mm-hmm. to keep this gondola free and all those important things that we heard from the community survey uh, around the gondola in, in particular.
2: Yeah, just for folks to know, um, it's for the three and a half years I've been here. We've been attending meetings monthly or semi-monthly continuously throughout that and the participation and trust that has been built with that process um, is really something I want the public to know that telsky you know the towns the county um, our consultants have all been working collaboratively and trying to turn every stone of you know we all recognize that we all want a gondola but nobody really wants to pay for it um, but trying to figure out that um, million-dollar question. Mm -hmm.
3: It's also an opportunity for us to address efficiency and capacity, which we know we need more of in order to serve this region.
1: Yeah. I mean, so on recognizing that there's no final answer on exactly how the finances are going to shake out, you still have a, a, a little bit more time to figure that out. Does it feel like something that all the government's feel comfortable coming to the table and saying like okay Telluride County whoever that is like hasn't been paying for this in the past but we're happy to recognize our part and and be part of that funding agreement
0: yeah sitting around those tables thus far uh, I haven't seen uh, hesitancy around um, sharing this uh, financial burden you know I'll, always the, the devil's in the details, and, and we will get there. There's there's no doubt in my mind we will get there. The gondola will be replaced, and it's going to be uh, absolutely world-class, state-of-the-art, um, and there will be a, a financial share in that uh, between uh, both private and, and public partners. I, 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 I have full confidence in that.
1: Yeah. Um, Mike, you mentioned the gondola is a big part of um, an environmental element mm-hmm. to our region as well from your perspective like we we all know that wildfire fire is something that is potentially on our doorstep every single summer mm-hmm. um and climate change is Happening. doesn't appear to make that go away right at any point um how are your jurisdictions thinking about that moving forward discussing Um, whether it be wildfire or water or whatever those things are um, to make sure that we're able to stay as safe and sustainable as possible given the constraints of where we live.
2: Great question. So not really the answer but we just, uh, for folks that don't know there's a new Genesis uh, First Alert Warning System that's replacing our Code Red system and Folks should have gotten emails or text messages about signing up for that. It's on the San Miguel County Emergency Management page. We also just finished our all hazards mitigation plan um, and just submitted that to the state for comments. But um, we know that with the singular points of egress into Telluride and Mountain Village, that we have to secure fire breaks. We know that we have to ensure the viability of those emergency egresses for the emergency side of it. but we also recognize that um, we're not going to be able to prevent every hazard that comes up, especially um, if it's a wildfire, given that we are in the middle of the national forest. So, I think it's just making sure that we have, um, you know, we have a great emergency manager who's now been in that role. She's been with us for years, um, and we're we're cross-training all personnel so that we can have that continuity of operations and continuity of emergency response Um, so that's my short answer
1: (laughs) good short answer
0: I've been impressed with um, the county on the on this front as well uh, and some of the tabletop exercises that we've all been involved in with our marshals department the uh, the fire protection district, uh, both towns, the county, the Forest Service. So there's 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 significant collaboration uh, throughout the course of the year, uh, particularly during the, the summer months where we really do um, game plan through evacuation plans, fire suppression plans. Uh, I know the uh, fire uh, protection district district has uh, sat down with with all of us related to some new technologies they're they're looking into for early. Uh, fire uh, detection systems, uh, through a lot of different technologies, which is pretty cool. Uh, and we're interested in, in helping out there potentially. So um, it's an, always an active uh, conversation. We were, we were lucky with the monsoon rains this year that it wasn't really front and center for us, but it will be again soon. And um, uh, I feel good that we're collaborating, you know, regionally on, on this effort. And again, we got a great district ranger uh, with the US forest service here. And Meganino, and uh, we appreciate all, the, all that she and her team does with with the municipalities in the county.
3: Yeah, I think you guys are right that this idea of preparedness is critical. It's one part of wh- how we can kind of help our residents understand what to do. If this was an imminent issue and also I really appreciate that the county has uh, has updated the all-hazard mitigation plan it was a it is a very solid document to begin with that also has all these actionable items on what we can do to address all hazards which are more and more unpredictable it feels like over time Um, I'll address a few things that we're doing in the Mountain Village back when the first all-hazard plan was was um, produced Two of the Mountain Village's biggest issues were our cedar shake roofs, which were a requirement. We all laugh at that now because we are surrounded by a national forest. And then second, defensible space protecting the the buildings that are already in place so we have active incentive programs around defensible space and cedar shakes we're also very lucky to have a forester on staff we have a full-time forester really for the first time we've had elements of a forester in the past we've also been working with dr siebold that many people are aware is a kind of a fire expert Um, he spoke with all of our jurisdictions and there's a lot of emerging technology around identifying forest health with technology as well as being able to better identify where we need fire breaks and things like that so we're working on that uh, in the Mountain Village but also hopefully interjurisdictionally, so that we can all be very proactive in identifying those fire break areas and working on
2: forest health issues And I think it was only two years ago that we had that fire start that almost became a wildfire up off of Highway 62 in our county Um, and the county recognized the need for that air tanker support. Uh, Luckily that year the state provided it at no cost but we've since put away a million dollar separate reserve just for that firefighting um, or wildfire uh, response and then we're looking to increase that annually. Likewise the county with our new um, search and rescue helicopter has some ability to uh, address some spot areas if that becomes a need,
1: yeah, um, it's crazy how fast these hours go. Mm-hmm. We're relatively ish close to the. We're more than halfway done yeah. with the with the hour, and so um, y'all talked about it at the beginning, and we're gonna dive into everyone's favorite topic, which is housing. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody has a questions, please give us a call nine seven zero seven two eight four three three three. You know. I think a lot of folks do have a pretty good idea and I would love to hear more from all y'all about specific projects you have going on. But kind of looking at the bigger picture outside of um, an individual project here or there, how are you thinking about your approach towards um, what kind of housing we need, how we are... um, just more conceptually thinking about our, our housing crisis and, and how we kind of hopefully move a little bit out of crisis point mm-hmm. for our region. Scott, let's go with you.
0: You know, w- within the town of Telluride, um, I, I, we certainly are looking this year to to pull every lever we can. Um, at, at the same time, realizing that the town of Telluride cannot provide every piece of um, affordable housing within this, uh, within this community, um, at least within the uh, boundaries of Telluride even. Um, but you will see the, the town this year uh, look at every parcel um, that the town has uh, some jurisdiction over, uh, whether that's Carhenge, our Tower House, uh, Canyonlands Project, um, obviously Lot L at Shandoka will have a housing element to it. We are breaking ground on Voodoo, and we'll we'll finalize the last uh, units over at Sunnyside. Um, we're always looking through both um, conversations with our community and, and surveys, and just seeing who enters the lotteries to uh, keep an up you know kind of an ongoing understanding of the right mix of for sale product versus for rent product, and um, trying to um, match some of the state funding requirements related to. Um, AMI or um, uh, average medium income uh, levels that we need to keep our rents or our our, our sales within. Um, But it's going to take a a mixture of town delivered projects and uh, moving forward public-private partnerships as well. I think that's going to be increasingly important within the town itself. We absolutely We'll continue to uh, work hard with the county on the Diamond Ridge project. There's uh, a lot of life to that and a lot of work to be done still moving forward. Um, But we will continue to focus first and foremost within the the town limits of Telluride on where we can um, offer up more uh, opportunities and uh, frankly, incentivize uh, developers out there to do more. Um, There's uh, some mitigation housing that will always occur through development, but that's a very small Uh, pool at the end of the day and even what the town can deliver on our own property is relatively small compared to the need. We know that so it is going to take collaboration more than ever with the county, with Mountain Village, with Telski on delivering uh, different housing options Um, but we'll we'll continue to look at our own properties first and foremost and I think Again, doubling down on opportunities for public-private partnerships is going to be really important, and I think, frankly, um, interesting in in the mix that it might bring uh, the town itself. So, that's, those are just a couple thoughts moving forward into this
1: 2023.
3: Yeah, Michelle, what about you? Yeah. Um, so our council recognized kind of the critical mass we hit with housing back in may of 2021 and took a very aggressive community housing initiative program mountain village uniquely you know we were like the third player in mountain village first was telski we were first a ski area then we were a planned unit development and then we incorporated so i feel like there are a few things that people don't quite understand but we're, we're, we're doing everything we can around housing we're not the, the, the largest landowner we haven't made a habit until recently of aggressively like land banking we also don't collect the real estate transfer tax we have we do have a very small revenue stream um, for housing so the last um, housing development we did was Coyote Court which was uh, you know over a decade ago However, we are now taking the position that it is important, and it's a a priority to our council, and we're now building housing. So we have also taken the position that we need all kinds of inventory. In Mountain Village, 75% of all of our de restricted housing is for rent. It still feels like it's not enough. We have... 250 person wait list that's been closed. Now it's maybe down to 180. I know Shindoka is the same. Mm -hmm. So, in any case, in 2023, we have $27 million allocated for housing. Um, we are ready to break ground on Village Court Apartments Phase 4, um, and also, and that's a for-rent product, and then we have 644, which are 29 townhomes, and and those vary in sizes and shapes, and those are for rent. And while we're doing that... Those are for sale. I'm sorry, yeah. those are for sale. Thank you for that correction. Um, and while we're doing that, we are trying everything and looking at every funding opportunity Um, both of those are 644 is a public-private partnership which I'm very proud of with Triumph they've been great to work with and I feel like Mountain Village is uniquely situated to try to work on those kind of collaborative projects Mm -hmm. so we're doing as much as we can I know we all are doing as much as we can and I and I think the other part of this is building is the most expensive part of providing housing and I kind of speak to all of the region that there there's a built environment out there like let's make sure things are occupied let's make sure our deed restrictions are being looked at and and make sure that we're we're taking advantage of and recognizing what we have that's an already built asset and like no plan around that but like that's this that's the secondary part of living in this region is can we make sure everything's full
2: every bedrooms full yeah so To go back and answer your question there's a need for everything Um, at almost all income levels rental and ownership the mountain migration study that's on the county's website that focused on six counties um, in San Miguel being one of them highlighted kind of that exacerbated need that occurred during COVID Um, you can look at the home sale data to show that the prices skyrocketed and far outpaced wage increases um, Region 10 just did a regional housing uh, study as well and kind of um, one of the, the most interesting graphs in that study was the disparity between the increase in income versus the increase in uh, free market homes and San Miguel was hands down, um, you know, much uh, greater disparity than Gunnison or, or Montrose or any of our surrounding neighbors. So. Our strategy has been um, that we want to work with uh, partners. It's actually in in, um, the county's mission statement. But um, that means Town of Telluride, Mountain Village, Telski, private developers, the Telluride Foundation, and other nonprofits. Um, We realized the need to update our mitigation fees. In 10 years of mitigation fees, we raised under $1 million. So you can't build a whole lot of housing with that. So we realized that the you know 17-year outdated formula needed to be updated and so we've we've heard a lot of uh, concerns from the community we'll be meeting uh, via zoom on January 10th uh, to hear from the public about not just what their concerns are because we know what those are we want to hear their ideas of how to tackle that problem so I invite the public to come and participate with that Um, we're also evaluating every piece of county-owned property as well as Um, We look for where we can land bank. We've uh, historically done that. Um, The Lone Cone Library site, which is one of the ones that we still have some available land at, Um, the Pathfinder gravel pit. We actually try and always look at our gravel pit needs, not only from a strategic location, from where our our four districts serve and need to produce uh, material, but also what could be suitable for housing in the future. Um, Our participation with the town and SMRHA is hopefully going to just continue to increase the public's uh, understanding of how to get into deed-restricted housing, ownership or rental opportunities. Um, And then to Michelle's point, the compliance part of that, making sure that those units that were set aside for the intended um, people are being used for those purposes and occupied um, but one of the other big things that the county did this past year was create the C-H zoning um, that's applicable in, in R-1. And the, that actually started from a private, um, a private homeowner that said, I have a half acre on my property and I would like to build um, a bunch of smaller affordable apartments. And the zoning wouldn't allow that. And so that was what kind of kicked off um, this desire to have an expedited process for increased density related to just deed restricted rental or ownership opportunities um you know i'm really proud that we added 54 units (laughs) but it it feels almost defeatist um seeing that the need continue to increase and um and so we're we are also uh, very focused on creating more opportunity for our community to remain a whole community we do not want a um, a feeling of a class system here where people commute into work but they can't actually ever live there. Um, and mm-hmm. and I see even with my higher paid employees that kind of uh, realization that they have a, oh my gosh I'm making some of the best money I've ever made but I still can't even come close. And so we w- we want to change that dynamic and we know it's going to take time.
1: Yeah. You know I think Definitely across the two communities, Telluride Mountain Village, in the county as well, we know that there are houses that sit empty for the majority of the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously you can't force a private homeowner to rent out their house or build an ADU, whatever that might be. But, you know, you'll hear people say, that like, you can't build, we can't build our way out of this crisis. And so how do you think about, you know talking to or partnering with or incentivizing like more people like as you say to like get people closer to where they work and live or want to live to Mm -hmm. say like we have a lot of houses relatively Mm -hmm. but people like locals just aren't able to live in them and how do you you know think towards that
0: You know, uh, with the Colorado Association of Ski Towns or CAST that um, many of us are involved in around here and really every ski town in in, uh, Colorado, that's a forum where we are in the midst of really robust conversations around how to incentivize people to open up their accessory dwelling unit or their uh, little unit, you know, their carriage house behind the home. How do we incentivize without just pulling out the checkbook every time uh, necessarily? To get those units open. Um, certainly there are national discussions around dark home taxes, if, if you will. Those are really challenging. Um, I'll just be honest around that. Uh, but it's a it's a point of conversation amongst ski towns across Colorado right now, which might be on one extreme end. But certainly um, it does feel like we're at a point in time where we, we may need to find some additional funding resources to help incentivize some of uh, some of those homeowners who have a lot of space that they've already built beautiful space that is underutilized and um, you know part of that too is just continuing to communicate the need that this is not just um, uh, anyone but these are these are the folks that you rely upon to, to run your ski lifts to serve you a cup of coffee to run your, your local kids. government, to teach your kids <laughs> yeah. maybe your dentist or your doctor yeah. these are the people that would be living in your accessory dwelling units that are going underutilized today. So some of it's a little bit more of the communication strategy and the pulling of the heartstrings a little bit, uh, but also we need as local governments to find the financial incentive packages uh, to make that happen. And, and we're working really hard at that at the, uh, again, the Association of Ski Towns. And we've got s- some good um, representation showing up to those meetings at the, at least from our, our Senate uh, uh, representation within Colorado. We'd like more representation from our local congressional representation there at those types of meetings, but uh, it's a major, major point of conversation right now.
3: Yeah, you raise a good point, Scott. I, I, Having been here for a while and done a lot of land use research, um, There is, back in the day, this having accessory dwelling units was a way that people helped pay for their mortgage. Mm -hmm. You know, we're a little more gentrified now, but there was a time when people, it's really, it's like a lost community ethos. But there was a time when it was really great to have a person on site who was living in your ADU who would tell you the best restaurant to work at, make sure that your sidewalk was shoveled. And there were a lot of willing participants in that because often it's somebody who's teaching ski lessons and it's very convenient because the home is right there off the slope. Mm -hmm. And it would be nice if we could remind people that this is like the Live Like a Local campaign. This is how we used to live more broadly we've had a lot more influx of um, people coming from all over the nation it's a very desirable place to live and they don't understand that this was the norm at one point that our ADUs were filled that there was this this um, symbiotic relationship there and it worked you know the time of surveillance cameras and property management has really risen because it's convenient but I'm optimistic that maybe people will embrace the sort of community spirit that we, we, we want to communicate with people that do live and work here and invested in the community. And you may be housing a teacher who's teaching your third grader. Mm-hmm. And that's important and valuable. So anyway, it would be great if we could get back to that.
0: Michelle, and I just say, as we, as we kick off this next uh, round of short-term rental or STR, policy discussions um, this this winter and into the spring, um, I'd like for this to be a, a significant point of conversation as well, how um, through that STR licensing process and, and policy, we can continue to further incentivize um, that STR process to open up um, housing um, and, and let folks get a license, particularly if, if they're able and willing to uh, offer up some space in, in the property for for locals i think mm-hmm. that'd be a great point of that str discussion
1: yeah um as we near the end of our hour i'm going to be that person to ask a big question and then say you have 30 seconds to answer um, <laughs> i know exactly but i do um both scott and mike you did bring it up about diamond ridge um, and so i'd love to hear just a little bit of where the town and the county are standing with that now it was just a few weeks ago that a court judge ruled that, that the zoning on that property had to be reverted back to forestry and open space away from the community housing zone district what does that, from your perspective how do you see that e- the project either going forward or not at this point
2: well, I know both of us haven't had a chance to meet with our elected officials uh, about this it was uh, kind of uh, an early Christmas present for us <laughs> but uh, I don't think anything has changed fr- from my perspective about the need for a project like that, like Diamond Ridge. We know that the need exists um, and it, it, it isn't going away. Um, we're going to be weighing what options we have. Um, we've been in communication with the state. There are still um, Supportive of giving us the, our grant funding to mm-hmm. um, for the purchase of the property, um, and I, I can't say more than that until we're able to speak with our elected officials. But I would um, just say it, the project does not die because of um, one ruling.
0: No, I, I think we heard some. Uh, we got some direction out of the district court mm-hmm. on um, some some modifications in in the process that would need to occur for Diamond Ridge to move forward. Again, we were disappointed in that that ruling. Um, There were some surprising elements to it, but um, I think generally we see it as a short-term setback. We want to uh, ensure the community conversation continues. And I know the county, both towns will continue to be um, highly, highly focused on delivering high-quality, affordable housing, um, and the community housing uh, uh, zone will will be a part of that uh, moving forward. We we feel like, but we've got some we've got some conversations on next steps with our elected officials, Julia, that we still need to have here. But um, we will continue to move move forward as as uh, practical on that that project and uh, feel good about the long the long-range vision of this still. Okay. Yeah.
1: Michelle, you get to sit that one out (laughs) because Mountain Village isn't there on that specific project, but definitely in the conversation for housing. Definitely. Um, We are at our time, so I would love to kind of wrap up with with this hour from each of you. Any final thoughts that you have and maybe a New Year's resolution for your government as we head into 2023?
0: Well, from the town of Telluride, we, we've, just, we've had some great conversations in, in the last month internally uh, with a lot of excitement around the fact that we are within just weeks of, of paying off the last bond for the, the valley floor open space. That's a huge, huge win for the community. The first win was just getting that, uh, that open space uh, protected. It's such an iconic parcel. But we're, we're at the precipice of, of paying that off, which will allow the town of Telluride to begin to, to, to have conversations this, this winter and spring on where some of the funding that's gone towards open space, which is 20% of all revenues that come in, where we can uh, potentially reallocate that towards current 2023 20, needs and beyond. So that's a really, really exciting thing, I think for the community and a great um, win for this community as well, both from an environmental standpoint and, and beyond. So that's a great kind of resolution that we will really um, take this you know this endeavor uh to the next next step and fund the next great big needs for this community and i think for for telluride that in in part entails um infrastructure um our 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 streets our accessibility on our sidewalks our 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 trails and our our housing you know those are those are really really big needs that we're excited to, to focus on here and um yeah, I think I'll, I'll leave it at that. We're we're really optimistic uh, with this collaboration a- across the county at this point in time, and I think we're we're going to see some really great wins this this coming year. All
1: right, Michelle, we'll just move down the line, so you're up.
3: Okay, hmm. well, I think that there has been such a frenzy of activity that I kind of hope that in 2023, that people can balance their well-being and our community can balance their the lifestyle that they wish to okay. live with getting the work done that we need to do in our local governments um, and I do just want to mention one other thing that another large um, housing project that's important to mountain villages in Elliam Valley right now are intent to purchase land in Mm -hmm. Ilium and we are going to be speaking with the board of county commissioners it's in the unincorporated San Miguel County and just kind of understand where we're all at with that and if it's a project that we can garner some general you know political and community support around It's, it's a big bite of the apple for the mountain village but we're willing to undertake it because we think that the housing is needed thank you yeah Mike
2: so it's been a frenzy of the last two years and my hope for all of our constituents is similar to what Michelle said that we can remain healthy remain connected um, and realize that at the end of the day we're all humans trying to do the best that we can you know our commissioners um, Mm -hmm. set an ambitious work plan again for 2023 and we're going to be doing a lot with roads uh, that I didn't speak about but we have a lot of various road improvement projects and um and we're also bringing on a communications person so that's going to help us uh increase our communication with the public and um i'm just thankful to Kodo for being the conduit um to our community and um i wish you all a very merry new year
0: thank you Cotto.
1: yeah thank well thank you. you all for joining this evening you know i think we scratched the surface of hmm. Um, yep. Many things, and we could talk about many more things for, for hours on end, but we'll spare the listeners. <laughs> um, they can tune in to town council and Board of County Commissioner meetings. Um, they're tomorrow. S- sometimes <laughs> enthralling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Scott Robson, town manager for the town of Telluride, Michelle Haynes, assistant town manager for the town of Mountain Village, and Mike Bordonia, county manager for San Miguel County, thank you all so much for being here this evening. Koto listeners, thank you for tuning in and we will be back with more Off the Record next week and more news tomorrow. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment and in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas.